on the last day of your service, you put on a jacket, certainly in the military that has crowns and pips that tell other people how important I am. I have badges on my sleeves that tell other people how hard I am. And I have medals that tell me how many gnarly operational tours I've done, you know, all that type of stuff. And suddenly you'll never put that jacket on again in your life. Every time you walk into a room at that point, you have to prove yourself. And it's a world you don't know. If you're a police officer or currently working in law enforcement and you're considering your career, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Andy Lobron. Welcome to the Blue Light Leavers podcast. Now, don't forget, you can join the Blue Light Leavers Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Blue Light Leavers. Now today I'm talking to Nick Durhams. Nick is a management consultant with one of the big four consultancies here in the UK. This is an incredible interview. Now regardless of whether you're looking to move into consultancy or whether there's any other role that you want to go for, the information that we cover and the hints, tips and knowledge that Nick passes on within this interview will help you regardless of whatever it is that you're looking to go for. It is a brilliant interview. Now Nick actually has a military background and an extensive military background actually. And during this interview, he talks about how to map your skills and experience across into Civvy Street. He talks about the role of a consultant, but he also talks about how to map that skills and experience across into the selection process to show how it relates to whatever role that it is that you're going for. We talk through the selection process, and we also talk about the most relevant courses for roles like this. And Nick also covers how he felt as he was coming towards the end of his 18-year military service, his worries, his fears, concerns. And it's incredible how similar they are to how I felt and how, to, how many of you will feel and have felt as you come towards the end of your service. I promise this is an incredible interview. You will get so much knowledge and information from it. Grab a pen and paper. Let's go over to Nick now. Nick, thanks so much for joining us on the uh, Blue Light Leavers podcast. As I'm very, very grateful. You've, you've got a lot of skills and experience, that, um, and I think this podcast is, is going to interest an awful lot of people. So thanks for agreeing to do it. No, an absolute pleasure, Andy, an absolute pleasure. Um, before we go any further, could you just give us a brief introduction into who you are and what you're currently doing? Yeah, so uh, my name's uh, Nick Durrans. I'm uh, currently a management consultant uh, working in the Big Four. Uh, I work within a public sector part of the business called Government and Health Industries. Uh, I specialize in leading large change programs and uh, my, my specialty there is as a, a program manager and a program director. Um, I also have another couple of roles within the organization, but I'm sure we'll come on to that a wee bit later. Yes, without doubt. That's brilliant. Now, your background is really interesting and how you actually moved into these, these particular roles within consultancies. Um, could you just give us a, a bit more information regarding your background and, and your experience? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a classic, well-trodden path. Uh, most people who end up in the Commando Training Centre at age 19 end up as a senior consultant in one of the big four. It's, uh, no, it's been an odd, old life, it's fair to say. Um, went, uh, like I said, uh, Commando Training Centre at 19, uh, went to the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst at 21, uh, commissioned into a, a, what used to be known as a Formation Reconnaissance Regiment, um, joined pre-9-11, and uh, I remember I was on exercise when 9-11 happened, and we all looked at what was going on, and we were listening to the news reports going on, and uh, 
we realized it meant something big for us. We didn't know what. Um, what then happened was the uh, most intense period of operational deployments for the British military since Korea. Uh, and in my time, we did five tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, combat operations, uh, both as a, as a doing role, uh, so strike operations and uh, a tour as a joint terminal air controller. Uh, or FAC as it was when I did it, Ford Air Controller, uh, and culminating as um, uh, the officer commanding something we used to call Second National Forces, which did strike operations, uh, the last tour I did in 2012. Um, also fortunate enough uh, to do staff college down at uh, the Defence Academy and finished off uh, working in a, dipl- a defence diplomacy role in Whitehall, working alongside ministers. So the most phenomenal and extraordinary journey and and one that I thoroughly enjoyed. That's incredible. What a story. That's extraordinary. And um, so what what would be really interesting is to know how all of that experience and all of that military experience, that operational experience, how that then mapped across into you ending up where you are now? An excellent it's an excellent um, question. And, and the truth is, I don't think it's obvious for anyone. The military, especially one that I did for 18 years, you know, from the age of 18, or, or just, just turning 19, it inculcates you with a set of values and standards that you live and breathe by. And those values and standards, when you transfer across, stay with you, whether it's in your home life or in your work life. Um, And it's quite remarkable, actually, is that when you do move across with some people, you find that those values and standards just don't exist with them and you find it hard to work alongside them. Um, But I suppose if I was to be pushed and say, what have I brought across? There'd be a few things is purpose. Um, I was really, really careful when I was looking at a job to go into, to make sure that I chose an organization uh, whose values I understood and aligned with my own. Mm. So uh, I see you nodding there, Andy. Um, I'm guessing that something resonates with you. Very much so. And and I, you know, people I coach and mentor, I tell them exactly that. It's really important that they find somewhere that their values and ethics match your own. Yeah. and, And, you know, you need to be very careful at interview because the organizations like the big four are enormous. They're global and it's a matrix organization. So you need to be clear about who you're interviewing with to make sure that that person embodies those values and the purpose of that organization. Uh, and, And I've been incredibly lucky. So for the last four years in my current role, I've been working with a team that is as good a team as ever worked within the military we all have the same values and standards, and it, it's just a phenomenal bunch of people to work with, mm. so I'm lucky there. So purpose. Uh, the next one is, is something I suspect we're all going through at the moment, and that's resilience. Um, just having that ability to, to knuckle down and do the best you can, being cheerful in the face of adversity, all those sort of good shouts. Uh, and humour is trying to have a laugh a lot of people go to work and they seem hell-bent on um, tripping people up and making life a bit challenging but most of the ex-military guys i work with and the ex-police and law enforcement guys there to have a bit of a crack at the same time um moral courage is a massive one 
you will at points have to have difficult conversations and in consultancy you know it's not just your own team you have to deal with it's clients and sometimes clients are amazing sometimes clients aren't amazing and it's very difficult to have those conversations and it's uh and it does keep people up at night and people shy away from them so having mm-hmm. a bit of courage a bit of guts to make that happen i've said is fairly key um but i think that's what i'd expect from an ex sort of law enforcement uh ex-military but the things i think that mark those sort of top 10 percenters out uh, are two things firstly is leadership being able to take charge of a situation and lead it and i don't mean manage i mean lead a fundamentally different thing and the second one is taking the initiative you'd be surprised how many people are waiting to be told what to do but to be able to look at a situation weigh up the pros and cons and seize the initiative to gain the upper hand. Uh, those two, so leadership and initiative, I think are absolutely two critical ones I'd, I'd be looking for, and the, the good and the great that come across. That's brilliant. And I love the fact that that's, that's, that, te- that top 10% is just a brilliant way of putting it. And I think, like you say, the, the skills that military law enforcement, um, you know, emergency services personnel have in abundance. So that's, that's brilliant. So how did you end up then? going into and in fact let's, let's just go back just a second so let's talk about the role of a consultant what is what is it that a consultant does and um how did you end up in that particular role yeah great question great question it's something my sister-in-law uh, always asks me she's a primary school teacher and uh, she still says she has no idea what i do um so I think the strap line for any good management consultant, um, and I'm not going to say I came up with this, I will shamelessly claim it from uh, uh, one of my former clients who's on the senior leadership team at Shell, and he said, I want you to make the complex simple. So often um, we go into a situation where the client is flat out, and they neither either don't have the time or they don't have the capacity, or they don't have the skills to be able to look at a problem and reframe it in a way that's useful. That is primarily the role of a consultant. But if you then go the level down, I mean, the spectrum is enormous. So we have, certainly in the firm I work in, we have everyone from um, behavioral scientists to economists to health and environmental specialists to program managers to people and organizational change consultants to uh, one of the chaps I work with on a day-to-day basis as a PhD in computer science and, uh, and uh, analytical software. All of those skill sets sit within a large consulting firm. And the joy, I think, of people uh, who are ex-military, ex-law enforcement, is we don't get brought in there for our skill set in how to uh, manage blockchain. We get brought there with our skill sets to gather people around us, to provide some sort of bounds, to manage control risks and issues, and to deliver outcomes through leadership. And it's a genuine privilege to work with some of these people. So how did you get into that role then, Nick? You still haven't answered um, that I, question. I, I quite like it. I quite like how you put that, Andy. That, that's great, Nick. But how did you? Uh, um, good question, Andy. Um, so I, I was. Um, I joined, like like we said, the military at eighteen, uh, without uh, a degree, uh, and I decided during my time um, to qualify myself, and uh, there began a 
a journey of lifelong learning, which uh, no doubt, um, and I know that's something you're a a firm believer in as well. Uh, And as part of that, I uh, eventually decided I wanted to um, get a master's. Um, uh, I never thought I'd be able to do it, um, but somehow I managed to scrape my way through a master's and it was lucky enough to be uh, what was rated as the Financial Times Global Top 15 MBA, which puts you in some with some great people and you get a great network. And I happened to be posted to Whitehall, working in central London. I'd meet up with people from my course and, and uh, former friends and former colleagues. And as ever, you network, you meet people. And while I was in London, I was introduced to a few other people. And uh, before I knew it, I had a, a couple of very interesting rather tempting offers on the table. And I decided now was a, was most probably the best time to leave if I was going to. Mm, that's fantastic. Um, and again, that's something we talk about so often. It's mentioned in so many of the podcasts as well, that how important networking is. And, you know, networking with, I don't know if it's the same in military, but, but networking within um, the sort of emergency services circles and particularly in policing, it seems a real dirty word, but it is, there's a right way to do it. And um, it's something that, really helps when you when you network properly and you get to meet people and, and you just have conversations and build relationships because ultimately people buy into people don't they that you know you can see a cv and you think well, that's a great cv but they're actually they're buying into you and if they meet you get on well with you you come over well that you've got that skill you've got the experience that they're looking for then that's that's when the magic happens do you know, that's a great way of putting it. Um, the way I look at a CV is it's all it is doing is trying to get you a conversation. The CV is going to someone who hasn't made you said is, is it worth having a conversation with this person? And networking kind of circumvents a lot of the painful blind posting of CVs that we hear so many of our former colleagues going through. Um, uh, hey, hey look, I, I am not a big fan of networking. Uh, I am naturally very comfortable, sat at home, uh, with a pack of Pringles, uh, with my uh, green beret on my head, sitting very happily. Uh, but um, so I, I, ha- I had to force myself to do that, if I'm going to be honest with you. And so if I went to these, these um, if I was invited to event by a friend, I would absolutely get there. I would force myself, right, go and speak to two groups of people you haven't met, introduce yourself, have a really decent conversation, then grab a drink, go outside, have a breath, breath of air. Mm. Once you've done that three times, you can go home. That type of putting a bit of structure around it, treating it as it, it's not going out for a few few drinks with your friends. It is work. You are there with an objective. And if I think with all of us, with our former training, uh, we're ideally placed to be able to be that disciplined to go into a, a what we quite frankly might initially consider a hostile environment, mm. <laughs> a non-permissive environment in the old terms, and uh, just crack on, get through, get a result at the end of it. And yeah. that is entirely, Andy, how I got this job. Yeah, that's brilliant. And similar things have happened to me as well. Exactly that as a result of conversations, random conversations sometimes. Just, you know, really one in particular was just standing in a coffee queue. And, yeah. um, you know, things happen as a result of that, which is just incredible. So, um, well, yeah. well, Jim, the most extraordinary thing, Andy, is you also need to be careful about how you speak to people, yeah. no matter if you think you know them. So the, the actually 
the job I have now came out of one of my first uh, meetings, which I met up with an old platoon mate from Santa. So, you know, a guy who we served in three commando brigade together, but I hadn't seen it. So I hadn't seen it in 15 years or something like that. And we met for a couple of drinks and went out for a bite to eat. And he brought with him a mate. Anyway, that mate later turned out to be a partner at the firm I'm working for. Uh, and he introduced me to a couple of other of his colleagues. And, and that's how that particular journey started. So, yeah, Brilliant. you know, it, it, it starts with the most innocuous of beginnings. Absolutely. That's no, great to hear. So, obviously, I know uh, you're involved very much around the programme and project management and transformational mm-hmm. uh, projects and programmes. Um, what other types of roles are available and where do you see most sort of military and um, cops, other emergency services potentially fitting in within some of the uh, big four consultancy work? Uh, great question. Great question. It, it, to be honest with you, it depends on the individual is the first thing I'd say to that. Um, and these these big, these big four consultancy firms uh, do make life very, very difficult because they have a number of verticals, we call them, and horizontals. Um, so you need to get your head, head around those two. And the verticals might be, for example, financial services. They might be the private sector. Uh, uh, but obviously, there'll be a public sector vertical in there. And I think, certainly I went into the military, um, A, is a bit of a childhood thing to to become a commando, I suppose, fundamentally. But then I stayed for the thought that I was genuinely doing some good and doing something worthwhile. And certainly that's what motivates me where I am now. Um, so public sector, I think, would be, if, if you still have that love and if you still have something that fundamentally powers you and lights your fire, uh, I would thoroughly commend the public sector. Um, then you need to get your head around the horizontals. Now, everyone is different, whether you're a large consultancy or a small consultancy. And by that, I talk about, uh, do you want to go to program management? And I suspect any of us who've got to a decent grade uh, in the in the military or law enforcement, um, program management is something you could very easily turn your CV to. And it's something you'll be amazed how skilled you are at just by having a rational process driven way of thinking and an ability to make decisions. And quite frankly, being sensible, because if you're not sensible, you wouldn't have done more than two or three years in, in any of the previous mobs we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other ones that are equally interesting. I think people in organization is a really, really interesting one. And that's about how do you uh, develop organizations? How do you work with, uh, how do you design, uh, I mean, everything from how do you motivate people? How do you design organizations to be the best they can be? How do you develop learning and development? And I know a lot of training warrant officers and training officers who've gone into that world. So uh, for me, there'd be two main areas, and that would be program management and uh, people and operations. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the type of skill set that we're talking about, we've, we've mentioned obviously early doors, we talked about purpose, resilience, and humor, that moral courage. What about the soft skills, Nick, and the selection process itself? So could you, are you able to talk us through that selection <laughs> process at all without giving too much away? Maybe, but uh, you know, just, to talk just, about Andy, it was horrendous. It was horrendous. <laughs> um, so I had, a, I, had, I had three things on the go. Uh, and I managed to, I was in a very fortunate place. I had three sort of uh, letters on the table, as it were. Um, two of them were, were two of the big four. Um, and one of those was going into defence. 
And that's an area I didn't really want to go into because I'd worked really hard to get this MBA. Uh, I knew I had some good skills working in Whitehall and I wanted to do something on a slightly more strategic level. Um, so uh, I turned that one down. The other one was a, a large, well-known retailer who's doing particularly well at the moment. And uh, I was offered to go on their MBA program, which is a two-year cycle of learning. Um, but during the interview process, that's when I first learned about the interview process being two-way. It, the, the team I was with, it, 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 it didn't click uh, and I didn't want to progress it. So I ended up where I am. Um, uh, my wife does point out to me that the selection to get into where I was was significantly harder and they paid significantly less. And uh, I think it was maybe because the selection was so hard to get in, I thought great riches and, and wonder must await therein. Uh, I'm still waiting, but uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure any minute now. Um, now, the process itself was um, two online exams, one uh, maths, one uh, English, fundamentally, uh, a assessment day. A day is a bit of a strong word, about sort of four, four hours or so. And then four interviews off the back of those. Um, it was it was torturous, Andy. It was torturous, yeah. um, but but well worthwhile. Genuinely, well worthwhile. <laughs> and is that pretty standard across the big four? This sort of process? No, I, I think I may just have been borderline. <laughs> if, I, if I get to be really honest, no. Uh, so where I am, yes, that is that is standard. There is a there is a set line in the sand that we want to have our people at that says, you know, this product is at this standard and we have assured it by doing this. Interestingly, the other one of the big four I had a place in was two interviews and that was it, mm-hmm. uh, which I'll be honest with you is far more pleasant. But, yeah. uh, but, but, but being brutally honest to myself, it was much less of a stretch. So it, these guys had to be much more thorough on me because it was, I wasn't proven in that market. Mm. So how do you think then you, um, you were able to get across the skills and experience that you had then for this particular role that you're in now? How did you sort of, how were you able to map that across? And how, would you, how were you able to, to make them understand and, and believe that you were the right person for these particular roles? Yeah. Look, I, I don't think that starts in that room. I think it starts weeks, if not months before, when you decide you're going to leave. And it starts with um, writing your CV because 18 years in the military, as I suspect, you know, in your case in the police, Andy, when it came to write your first CV, um, uh, it was mostly about how you could drive incredibly fast, sh- shoot, uh, 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 you know, uh, whatever, whatever weapons you guys use. Uh, I'm pretty good handy with a Glock or an HK and, uh, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I looked at my CV and I thought, you know, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm awesome at jumping out of planes and I'm pretty good at calling in uh, tornadoes uh, to do a um, strike. But apparently, not what they're looking for in <laughs> business. So I, I wrote a CV and I shared it with a few of my incredibly overachieving mates. And I critically did this to guys who got no experience with the military. And I must have done, um, I'm not exaggerating, 40 versions of that cv that they threw back at me with red pen going this is complete nonsense and that process helped me work out what it is i have to offer i know it sounds daft but it, it really did help codify what are the what are the the key muscle moves that i have that will help an organization move uh, and i found that incredibly helpful mm-hmm. which meant that when i went into that interview room i 
I, uh, I, I researched the company. So I went through two years of their accounts. And I remember they, one of the uh, partners who interviewed me saying, oh, that's really interesting. I didn't know any of that. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I knew the company well, right? Yeah. The, the other thing I did, based on my CV, I, I created what I called a golf bag of stories. Brilliant. So everything's competency-based, isn't it? So yeah. you have to, this, this, what's it called? A star response. I forget yeah. what star stands for, yeah. but it's yeah. situation, task, action, action result. result. Yeah. It is that, yeah. yeah. And so what I did is I had sort of five really good stories that I could kind of twist whatever way the interview, interviewer wanted to throw a question at me so I could go, oh, this one time in Afghanistan or this one time when I was leading a organizational review. And that's, that's kind of how I used it, which got me away from the, I'm really good at securing a village in Helmand province yeah. to actually, I have a really clear head on my shoulders. I understand direction. I understand constraints and I can manage risks and issues to deliver an outcome. Brilliant. And that I think is, is how I managed to get, get my way through four interviews. <laughs> that's incredible. No, it's absolutely spot on. Exactly. that. And again, it's stuff you talk about all the time. What you've just described is exactly the same process that we go through as well. And it's, is it really? it's how to, how to show that a particular incident or a number of incidents or a, a pattern that you dealt with, just showing how that can map across into an organizational perspective um, with a new employer. This exactly the same thing, Nick. So that's great to hear. That's, that's brilliant. I don't um, think it's worth saying, Andy, build, building on that point you've just said there. Uh, what I found is because uh, now I'm the same grade as most of the people that interviewed me. And when I talked to them, uh, certainly when I was talking about my interview, the thing that they found amazing is because I'm in an area where there is no ex-military, is that the scale of what we have to do on a day-to-day basis dwarfs what they have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that uh, we have a similar view on the, you know, let, let's get some perspective in this because no one's shooting at us and no one's going to die. Yeah. Whereas these guys haven't had that. And use that to your strength. Use that as a real superpower when you're in those interviews. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, any particular course? Obviously, you did your MBA. Um, are there any particular courses or anything that you potentially recommend that people maybe consider or work towards? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, do. I have two. I have two. And uh, they are Prince 2 and they are MSP. Yeah. Uh, Prince2 and MSP, they are project, which is the Prince2 version, and MSP is the program level yep. qualification. This is These are qualifications that are industry best practice for program managers. They are approved by the Cabinet Office and Central Government. They are what every single organization in the public sector hangs any program off. They do not take a huge amount of time. They do not take a huge amount of money to do. And being really honest with you, they punch above their weight. And that, that was spoken about more in my interviews than my seven-year MBA, which I won't lie, a little bit disappointing. Mm. Um, but, but again, even if you don't stay in a consultancy, even if you don't stay as a program manager in, a, in a, I don't know, in, in Sainsbury's, those skills are going to be useful no matter where you are and increasingly the more senior you get. So Prince2 and MSP is where I would thoroughly recommend anyone yeah, that qualified in. Yeah, totally agree. I, I got exactly that as well, Prince to an MSP. And then same as yourself, I, I didn't do the MBA, but I did postgraduate qualification as well. And again, the, and then I've niched down more into the Microsoft now because that's what I'm doing. So I've done some Microsoft specific courses that are Microsoft um, 
um, verified. And, um, you know, it, it's that, like we said earlier, it's that lifelong learning. And it's just keep, it's keeping relevant, isn't it? Making sure that you're relevant. I, I think you're absolutely right. And um, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? When, when you've done a postgraduate, you think, I have achieved more now academically than I ever thought I could. Yeah. But you just have to keep going. It's about this energy, this positivity, this discipline. Keep learning, keep developing. Otherwise, you will become irrelevant. Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. Um, Nick, fantastic interview. Absolutely. It's just filled with so much great information. That really is so good. Thank you so much for your time. An um, absolute pleasure, Andy. So I think one of the, um, one of the biggest things that, that certainly from, from my perspective, I was absolutely terrified of having been in an organization for so long um, and moving on afterwards. I had no real idea on what it was that I was going to do. Um, how about yourself? How did you feel as you were coming up towards the end of your service and, and what were the biggest challenges for you? Uh, Andy, uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, the army had given me 10 houses, uh, six of my children's schools, um, my dental care, my medical care, you know, everything I could possibly imagine. Leaving was absolutely terrifying. Um, and you know what, psychologically as well, you know, if we're going to think about it in that perspective. And uh, it's only after most of about two years, I think I worked out why it was quite as scary as it was. Is that on the last day of your service, you have you put on a jacket, certainly in the military that has, I have, I have crowns and pips that tell other people how important I am. I have badges on my sleeves that tell other people how hard I am. And I have medals that tell me how many gnarly operational tours I've done. You know, all that type of stuff. And suddenly, you'll never put that jacket on again in your life. Every time you walk into a room at that point, you have to prove yourself. And it's a world you don't know. And, and I'm not sure if you're aware of imposter syndrome, but I, I, I had that hugely. Um, I thought that everyone would think I was bluffing, that I was going to be caught out at every turn. And the first year, psychologically, I found very, very difficult. Um, But you know what? We spoke about lifelong learning earlier. And by getting behind your lifelong learning, by really understanding what it is you bring to the party, what skill sets that you can add to that team to make them deliver even better outcomes to the client, you then start getting feedback saying, Nick, do you know what? That bit that you provide to the team, no one else does that. Nick, do you know these relationships that you build, these stakeholders that you manage these are fantastic. And bit by bit, I found my confidence, confidence growing. But uh, you know, one of the other things that I found really, really challenging, um, and this was pointed out to me when I got promoted quite early on, was, was having humility. Because I go back to when we're in the military or law enforcement, you have your, your jacket on, you, you know, you've got your, whether you've got your uh, body armor on or, or whatever and you're out on the ground and you're doing your stuff people know who you are there's an element of respect or not depending on where, where we're operating but you need to earn you need to earn that again so get your head down get your head down work as hard as you can most will be harder than you ever have done before bring those real critical skill sets you have to the fore and and, and trust me with, with what you bring with your resilience your humor your moral courage your purpose you will smash it Mm. You absolutely smash it, and um, it's been quite interesting. I, I, uh, I suppose 
the fact the family motto, the Darren's family motto, for want of a better awful phrase, is hard work, positivity, and courage. And I think if you keep those three things at the, at the, the front of your mind as you're transitioning through hard work, just work as hard as you possibly be the hardest worker in that room at all times courage put yourself out there you will feel uncomfortable you will feel uncomfortable but have the positivity know that you can do it you have been inculcated with values standards and trained in skills that other people can only dream of Mm. if you bring it all together you will be a success i'm convinced by it how can people connect with you if they want to get in touch or uh, are you happy for people to connect with you and, uh, and ask any questions, if they've got some questions around some of the uh, consultancy type work? Of course. Absolutely. I'd be, it'd be an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Nick Durrans. Uh, there's only one of me, uh, a relatively unusual Yorkshire surname. So um, yeah, feel free, jump on LinkedIn, send me an email uh, and I'll be very happy to make, make time for any listener to the Blue Light Leavers podcast. Fantastic. Thanks, Nick. Great spending time with you. Thank you so much for your time and look forward to catching you again soon. Absolute pleasure, Andy. Take the care. All the very best. Thanks, mate. Oh, wow. There you go. I told you, you need a pen and paper. Incredible interview. Such an absolute pleasure to interview Nick. Some incredible information. So if you like what you heard, then please leave a review and click on five stars and subscribe. And uh, I said, don't forget, you can also join the uh, private Facebook group at www facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash blue light levers and of course you can go to the website where there's freebie linkedin guide there and that's www.bluelightlevers.com we'll speak to you again soon bye bye for now